Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Awesome. That was great. Hey, you guys are in church. It was already said, but you're in church on Super Bowl Sunday. Way to have your priorities right. That's good. Do I have any? <laughs> Yay. Did I? <laughs> hey, like Clark said, that does mean someone else is prepping the house for you. So that's good. Well planned, well played. Um, do I have any Rams, Rams fan in your There we go. You might be on your own today. What about them Bengals? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. What about Jesus? Yeah, there we, there we go. There we go. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm actually super excited. I think it's going to be fun. I, I want the Bengals to win. I'm sorry. I, I want the Bengals to win. I just, I think it's kind of a, a miracle that they're even at this place. And so I'm like, yeah, let's go. Like, I, let's, yeah, thir- 30 years is a minute. And, uh. So let's, let's, and they've got better outfits. Amen. I'm kidding. <laughs> he said outfits about football jerseys. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> hey, we are in a collection of sermons about the book of John. Book of John is a very unique book in the Bible. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And the reason I like John so much is because John has an agenda. I love people that have an agenda and you know what it is. You know, sometimes you talk to people and you, you feel like they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to work an angle, but you're not quite sure what the, like, like oh, let, I come up to your door and they've got a Kirby vacuum and they're like, hey, let me, let me vacuum your floor. And you're like, what's the agenda? I was like, no agenda, no strings attached. You don't have to buy. And they come in your house and they dump dirt all over your carpet. You know, they're just like, boom. And you're like, oh, now there's like, there's a string attached. Clean it up. You know what I'm saying? They get in it and they start vacuuming. Has anybody ever experienced this? Am I the only one? And so they start vacuuming up all this stuff and you're like, oh, this is great. You're just vacuuming like a 10-foot square of my house. You made that carpet, like that, that section of carpet is now the original color. The rest of my house looks like trash, but thank you. And then you realize, no, there was a string attached the whole time. It's like $3,000 for a vacuum. Easy monthly payments, $199. That's, that's when you feel like there's like a, a secret agenda. But with John, there's a very clear agenda. John makes no bones about it. He says it like this, that he could have, if he had included all the things about Jesus, he wouldn't have enough pens or books to fill it all. He says, there's not enough books in the world to contain all I could say about Jesus. But what he writes in the book of John, he says, is so that you would believe in Jesus. So he intentionally chooses specific stories about Jesus to allow you to place your faith and trust in him. It's very unique. He's not just a historical document. He's he's got an agenda. So we're in the middle of going through what's called the seven signs of John. The book of John is divided into two books, really. The first is called the book of signs. The second is called the book of glory or the book of passion. So the first part is about seven signs Jesus gives us that that show us that he is the Messiah. And the second half is the last week of Jesus' life. It's all basically the Passion of the Christ movie is the second half of the book of John. And um, what's unique in the book of John is that he, he doesn't call the miracles of Jesus miracles. Instead, he calls what we would call a miracle, he calls it a sign. 
He refuses to use the word miracle because really the word miracle is about the wonder, the power, like the amazement, how exciting it is. And John's saying there's something more important than being amazed by Jesus, and that is when we are pointed towards Jesus. So John doesn't use that word anywhere in the book of the Bible, except today. This is the one spot he uses the word miracle. So here we go. Are you ready? Um, But it's not used in a good way. Um, Can can I just pause for a second and say, like, it it is vitally important that we are not elementary on this thing called faith. Sometimes we... We think it is a, an, a, a, a side issue of living for God. It's just an additional thing in living for God. Can I tell you, faith is vital. It is foundational yeah. in living for God. In fact, you, the Bible says that salvation does not come without faith. Like You cannot be right with God without faith. Prayer is not effective without faith. In fact, the Bible says that you, God cannot be pleased. He's not happy without faith. And faith isn't some sort of thing we use to manipulate God to accomplish our goals. Right? In, our, in our culture, we sort of have two ends of the spectrum. One end of the spectrum sees faith as this thing. If I can conjure up enough of it, I can be like, uh, a Street Fighter 2 Turbo and be like, uh, faith, like Aruken, and, and throw faith at something and, and, and cause God to change things. The, the other side of our culture makes faith this intellectual um, exercise. It's only about knowing and thinking. Can I tell you, faith is, is actually more tangible than both of those things. And faith is really about Putting your trust in who is credible. The faith is really about saying, I, I know the one that is credible. When, when everyone else falls away, there's one that I can lean on, and his name is Jesus. It says it like this in the book of John. So we're in chapter 4. Last week we were in chapter 2. Jesus is in a small city called Cana. He leaves that city and goes all the way down to Jerusalem, ministers in Jerusalem, goes up through Samaria, meets a Samaritan woman, uh, and there's this this interaction that happens. We'll come back to that. Comes back up to Cana, and here's where we start. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. So Jesus is in Cana, and about 10 miles southwest is Capernaum. Capernaum sits on the very top of, of a long lake. This is on the very top. Jesus shows up there. And the Bible says that there's this, this man that, that hears that Jesus has returned to the area. He is an official with a son who is ill. Can I tell you that we, we may pursue position, we may pursue power, you may pursue a fat bank account, but at the end of the day, when your family is sick, none of that matters. I'm saying, like, we'll graduate high school and we move on through life, maybe go to college and, and, and build up a, something that we can build a career behind. And, or maybe you go into the military and then you come out and you begin building, like, this, this career, this, this sense of self, this sense of who I am. And you put in long hours and you work real hard and you're very industrious and, and, and you, you climb to the top of whatever your chosen area of life is, if it's being a small business owner or maybe it's being in local politics or or maybe for you it's, uh, it's just being uh, someone that is well-known in the community. It doesn't matter what you apply yourself to. At the end of the day, life is still life to all of us. 
like, like a heavy bank account, being well-known and having uh, like people that, that know you and having influence in the community, none of that really matters when your kids are going sideways. And so this man, he's known by everyone else around him as an official. He, he's, he's an official. He's a, a political figure. But this man does not even encounter Jesus on the level of a political official. He encounters Jesus as a dad that just needs some help with his child. And I get this because, you know, I pastor this church and we'll have people come and they're like, man, this is just amazing. It's so, so, so odd, like so good or whatever. And, and for me, at the end of the day, like I love what God has blessed this church with. I love the people God has blessed. I love doing life with some of the most amazing people in the world. But at the end of the day, if my kids are not doing good, if my kids aren't living for God, I could care less about anything that anyone else sees as success. And that's where this man is. He He's been isolated by his success, really, because the truth is success by its very nature. But getting into a political office or maybe owning that business that you chased after and you thought that was the solution to life. The truth is, in some sense, it isolates us from other people. You can be a business owner. You could be a bus driver. You could be a nurse. You could be a politician. But at the end of the day, we are all people who all have real issues in life. The Bible says that when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him. This man heard about Jesus coming back into the area, and so he goes, he runs to Jesus. I, I, I had somebody about two, three weeks ago, call, they, they sat down, and they're like, hey, uh, I, I, I want to know what's going on at Celebration Church. Like, you, the church is growing. Like, like just a couple years ago, you're in a school, and it's growing, and all God's blessing it, and all that. Like, what, what's going on? Why are people showing up? And I'm like, there's no secret sauce. There's, like not, there's not, like, some great strategy we're doing. What it is is this, is that when people have had an encounter with God, and they share that encounter with somebody else, it is attractive. Like, coming to a church service, listening to a preacher, not attractive. But encountering the God of heaven, that's attractive. And and it's in this same thing that Jesus, Jesus is just coming back to town, but, but word has spread that, that he's here, that he's doing something. And uh, it reminds me of, 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 of uh, was it Andrew, no, Andrew, no, Philip, 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 when he, when he, he begins going out early in, in the same book, it says the way he attracts the other disciples is he just says, come and see. Like, come and see what's going on. I, I, I wonder what would happen in your own life if you just simply went to the people around you and said, come and see what God's doing in my life. Like, like our, our, do it. Like, like, our marriage was on the rocks and it was struggling, but we went to a church, nothing fancy, and what happened was somebody prayed with us, and I don't know what God did in his life, but things have changed. Like, like I, I may have walked in and I was struggling with anxiety and st- stress and depression. I didn't know if I even wanted to be on this planet tomorrow, but they had a time when they prayed and God did something in my life and it transformed what was going on on the inside of me. I'm just saying that there's this powerful thing called the word of your testimony. The, the Bible says it like this, that we overcome, we conquer by the blood of the lamb and by the word, the spoken word of our testimony. Don't ever shy back from sharing with somebody what God did with you in your season of grief. Don't ever shy back from sharing with somebody what God did for you in your season of financial struggle because it's when they hear what God has done in their life that the kingdom of God moves forward. And so... Uh, This guy, he hears Jesus is coming, and he goes to him, and he asks him to come down. So he politely asks Jesus to come down from the hillside to the the lake and, and to heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And so Jesus says to him, this 
it's so hard for me to read this. He says, he says, Jesus, come heal my son. He's at the point of death. And Jesus is in a completely different conversation. Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. I'm like, Jesus, we need to talk about like pastoral counseling a little bit. You know? Like, I don't expect you to be a therapist, but let's work on your, you know, <laughs> we can clean things up a little bit here. Like there's... Jesus, he doesn't beat around the bush. And really, it might help you a little bit if you knew that the word you that's used there is plural. Jesus isn't saying you are looking for a sign. He's saying humans looking for a sign. He's saying people are looking for a sign. This is the one place that wonders is used or miracles is used in the gospel. It's not in a good way. He's saying, he's saying you're looking to be amazed, just in general, we're looking for, like, God, if you're real, prove it. And that's not a compliment. It isn't that this man is not interested in Jesus. He certainly is. But what he's interested in is what Jesus can do for him. And maybe you walked in the doors today, and that's exactly where you are. You're not sold out on God. You're not sold out on church. You're just interested. If this God can actually do what you claim he can do, I need him to do something in my life. And I want you to know he's not so high that he won't stoop and he won't lean into the needs of our life. In fact, he is close to those that are humble in heart. He is close to the brokenhearted. He is, he is after those who are just like this man who maybe don't see the big picture, but they have a need they meet they need Jesus to meet. Jesus, his ministry definitely involved miracles and miraculous experiences. But in this moment, Jesus is telling us, he's saying, I kind of get frustrated when people think that to encounter me, they have to have a miracle. That's what he's saying. It frustrates me when people chase the angel story or the miracle story rather than the God behind all of it. Jesus had just been down in Jerusalem and down there he had, he had performed signs and miracles and, and the people followed him simply because of the miracles they saw, and not because he did anything, that, not because they believed the words of him. And, and Jesus even spoke to a guy named Nicodemus who, 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 who Jesus was really spending time with, but the, the words of Christ weren't necessarily received like he would have wanted. I just want to warn us, church. We are a miracle-believing church. We pray big prayers, and we expect the unexpected. We believe in a God that used to heal, still heals, and will heal. We believe all of that. But we don't get caught up on the miracle. We're not looking for fireworks. We're not looking for excitement. We're looking for the God of the miracles. Often what we do, right, we're, looking for, we're really looking for a souvenir from God. I'm looking, I'm looking for, for something I can, I can hang on to as my, as my souvenir of what God has done in my life. And there's actually more that God wants to do in your life beyond that. The official says to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And I love this. Because the first time he says, it says he asks him. He says, would you... Would you please come? And Jesus responds, you guys are all looking for miracles. And then it says, come down. This, in Greek, this is imperative. It's like the strongest form of a command. He's basically getting in Jesus' face and saying, come down and take care of my son. And I get that. Like, I, there's one thing I get. It's an aggressive dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, mess with my kids. I'm going to, like, get, like, we're going to take care of these kids. Come down right now. Like, I, I need you to take care of these kids. And what's so funny is, is Jesus responds the exact same way. Jesus doesn't put up with nothing. 
It says that Jesus says, go. The man says, come, imperative. Jesus says, go, imperative. They're just like, da, da, da. Go, and your son will live. The man believed the word Jesus spoke to him, and he went on his way. Jesus positions himself between this man's faith and this man's need and allows the man to walk away without the tangible answer to his prayer. He doesn't go with this man to Capernaum to go heal a son. He simply says, go, your son is healed. This, he, he makes the man walk away with hope that there's an answer, with trust that there's an answer, but no tangible answer. That's what's so hard about living for God sometimes is we pray and we come to him and we say, Lord, like I need you to, to work in this situation for my loved one or for this business that I'm trying to start or, or whatever it might be or, or so I can make friends because I just moved here from California and I need a whole new group of friends. Like, <laughs> so he's like, he ain't lying. All my Californians look at each other, hands up, look at each other like we got to be friends. And... Like, and, <laughs> and and sometimes we pray these things and we wonder like, he's just like, be blessed, be on your way, your answer's there. And you're like, I don't, it makes me feel like when I, when I go into the office and the church and I walk past Ricardo, um, he's a young man that does a lot of our videos and I walk past him on a Friday and he's in there working on his computer and usually just sitting there and, and I'm like, hey, what are we doing? And he says, we're rendering. I'm like, what are you, what's rendering? He's like, yeah, I'm just waiting for the computer to, like, make all that I made it do, like, turn it into an actual video. So we just have to wait for it to render. And I'm like, who else gets to render? Like, I don't, I don't get a render. Like, that's not a part of my job description, render. Like, you just <laughs> sit there and wait. Like, that's, <clears throat> that's, it doesn't seem fair. I'm in the wrong, I'm in the wrong seat on the bus. I want to render. <laughs> He said, no, you don't. <laughs> but sometimes it feels like God is, God is rendering. Like God's, like, like he's pressed the button. And it's just rendering. It's just taking a moment. Like we prayed and God, we believe God hears our prayers. We believe God answers our prayers. But sometimes it feels like we're just waiting for it to do it. Can I tell you that even in God's silence... Even when you see nothing at all, he still orders the steps of a good man. I'm just saying to somebody today, even when it feels like God is not active, like God is not doing something in the moment, know this, we serve the God that is active. So even when he's not doing something, he's doing something. Even when you don't see him working on your behalf, he's working on your behalf. Even when you don't recognize, you're saying, God, where are you at in the moment? I'm telling you that when you don't see him at work, you can be confident that he is at work because he's the God that acts. In these seasons where we're waiting for God to do something, but he doesn't do something. We've prayed and we feel like there's an answer to the prayer, but we don't see the answer to the prayer. It can become a desperate moment because we enter into a waiting season. We wait. Wait, God, would you deliver my family? God, would you heal my mind? God, would you save my loved ones? God, would you bring my dad into his right mind? And then we wait. But waiting in the Bible is not like waiting and doing nothing. It says it like this. Those that wait on the Lord will mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Waiting doesn't mean resting on your laurels like, like nothing's going to happen. Like it's just going to, no, waiting looks like 
wings like eagles. Waiting looks like running and not growing. Waiting looks like, no, God's going to do it. I'm just going to keep walking in the right direction. He's already called. Like, I'm just going to wait on God. He's still doing it. But waiting doesn't look like just giving up. Waiting looks like saying, I'm firm because I trust God. Like, I'm in on this thing. Because so often when it comes to this idea of like God answering prayers, we hold him captive by our expectations. God, if you really love me, God, if you really care about my family, God, if you're real, and we attach our expectation to God, and it's like we're somehow trying to have an arm wrestling match with the one that spoke the world into existence. I think the big problem is we misunderstand the word faith. It says this man believed, and he walks away empty-handed. We, un- we misunderstand the word belief. We, we think belief means Again, it's this thing we, this emotional thing we kind of build up inside of ourselves, You're building lots of belief. And, and when you have enough, you, it's, like a, it's like this purple blob that when you put it in the vending machine of God, somehow God gives you what you want. That's the world I grew up in. I grew up in a church world where and, and I love my, my, my background, but I grew up in a church world where faith was very much attached to emotional fervor. If you can just get yourself hyped enough, you're going to make God do something. And then the other side of it, I think we often do is, is we say like, no, like faith is, is just believing in God and whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. The word faith in English is is misunderstood because we don't have a real good definition of it. The Greek word used for faith is pistuo. It means to be convinced. It doesn't mean some, like building up some sort of deep thing from within me to somehow make God do something. It means I'm simply convinced that he's the God that heals, and even if he chooses not to heal, he's still the God that heals. Like the three Hebrew children, they say this. They say, we serve the God that can deliver us from the fiery furnace, and if he doesn't, we still won't bow. Like That's the kind of convinced I'm talking about. Are you saying I have to be convinced in some sort of mystical thing in the sky that I can't put my hands on? No. You're convinced of a lot of things. You're most likely convinced that our planet circles around the sun. And, and you may not know how all of that remains in balance, but you're confident, you're convinced that because it circles the sun, you will experience days and months and years, and every day will have new sunshine. You don't know how it works, but you are convinced it's true. This is what I'm talking about. You can be convinced even with a scientific thing like that. And when we talk about faith, we're, we're saying it one more nuance deeper, that that I trust. I'm saying I trust him. I'm saying he's the one that I place my trust in because as that song we just sang, remember, all my life you have been faithful and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am, when I sing that song, like, I don't go back to the highs in my life and think about all the great times in life when I had enough money to pay all my bills. When I sing that song, I'm thinking about all the times that I was barely making it. I was scraping my teeth across the concrete just hoping that I could make it another day. And yet God still showed up every single time. He's faithful. His word never comes back void. When he says something, it happens. His arms are not short that he cannot reach into whatever need, whatever situation, whatever life is thrown at us. 
It's in those moments that I realize, like, I've got to trust in someone who never fails. I've got to trust in someone that speaks and the world explodes. Like, like, I love my wife. I, I love her, and, 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 and she's incredible, and I trust this woman. She's amazing. Like, I, my wife is predictable. And in marriage, predictable is hot. Be predictable. Rule number one for marriage. Be predictable. Like, I know. I know how, what she's going to laugh at. I know what she's going to think is crazy. I know what she's going to put her energy into. Like, I, I know it before I even talk to her in a situation. But when all of life goes haywire and I just feel like I don't know what to do and I've lost my mind with maybe my kids or, like, or, or whatever situation is going on, I don't turn to her. I turn to the one that I can place all my trust in. His name is Jesus. Put all my faith in Jesus. So it's not this thing I manipulate him with. It's me saying, Jesus, if you bring me through this situation by a check showing up in my mailbox, I trust you to do it. Jesus, if you bring me through this situation by letting me go through a creditor, I, be I believe you could do it. I'm saying it's trust. It's trust in him. St. Augustine says it like this. Faith is only faith when it waits in hope for what is not yet seen in substance. Remember, faith is the substance of things not seen. It's not some mystical thing. It's trusting the God that when he speaks, the worlds, the worlds appear. It's trusting the God that says, I'm going to turn water into wine. I can, I can do it. It's trusting the God that if he can deliver someone else out of a situation, he can deliver me out of it. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. I love that right there. Because we're talking about a sign that points towards God. And so many of us think if we pray for something, and we don't have an instant miracle. Instead, it slowly recovers. We're like, oh, that's a coincidence. Yeah, I didn't even need God. It recovered. No. He can deal with the instant miracle, and he also deals with the slow recovery. He is, he is God. So his son's recovering, and so he asked them. He said, uh, uh, he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, yesterday uh, in the seventh hour, basically one o'clock, the fever left him. And the father knew that the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. This dad's making a connection. That when Jesus said it, even though I didn't see it happening, it was happening. Even though you don't see it, it's already at work. Because we serve the God that's at work even when you don't see him at work. Einstein had this theory called the theory of relativity. Anybody ever heard of it? In it, it says that time and speed are relative to the objects that are measuring them. Have you ever looked at a like a C-130 or some large airplane, and they look like they're barely moving through the sky. Just barely moving through the sky. And you're just like, how is that thing staying in the air? It's the craziest thing. But I've also been hunting in Alaska, and I've been on a mountaintop and watched a C-130 fly through the valley below me, and you're like, that thing is moving. It's cooking. How is it not hitting the mountain? Because the location that you are observing a situation determines the speed. Like you, you are really moving at millions of miles an hour right now. You just don't know it because you're on the thing that's hurtling through space millions of miles an hour. So the faster you go, the slower time becomes. And at the speed of light, time would stop and distance would shrink to nothing. And time and space they're not constant and universal. They are flexible and personal to the one observing them. The problem in relativity, 
does not lie in relativity. It, it, it relies in assuming that common sense represents reality. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you pray because your marriage is on the rocks and you don't see an answer right now, it does not mean God is not active. That's just your position of observing it because you serve a God that is outside time and space. In, in, in order to have time, you need matter and you need distance between matter. You serve a God that is not made up of distance or matter. He's outside of time. And so when you pray for a situation, he may answer that situation down the road. You just haven't seen it yet. Let me give you an example. Abdias, come here. Right down here. Come on, let's give this guy a hand. Come right, come right over here. Man, you look good. I don't know why. Are you single? No. No, he's not. Okay, I was going to be like, I don't know why you are because you're good looking. Thank you. I heard you moving. Yeah. That's terrible. I, just, I called you up in front of everybody to shame you about moving. But here's the deal. Hey, call a God's on your life. And even if you move to the East Coast, call a God is still in your life. It doesn't change any of that. And I've, I've observed you, I've watched you, and you've got a heart that's pure before God. I see that in you. And he's probably put desires inside of you that you sometimes think, I don't know if that's ever going to be a reality in my life. And there's probably things in your life that you have prayed, and you're like, God, I, I wonder when that's going to happen. Let me explain what I'm, I'm going to give an example to what I'm saying here. So imagine that right here, imagine that if you're walking this way, this is your life, time. We as humans experience time one direction. We never get to go back and revisit time. But Abdias can be praying that God would work in his family. Maybe there's a situation that, God, that he's praying, God, would you do something in my life? God, would you do something for the ones that I love? And what happens is this, you serve the God that's outside of time. And in his mind, he just accidentally throws a cough drop, which represents the answered prayer. So that, that's the answered prayer. A little sleight of hand. <clears throat> Or slip of the hand. <laughs> but you've been praying and you're moving forward. You're, at, you're believing God, but, but you're not seeing the answer yet. But as you walk forward towards it, one day you're going to show up and you're going to be like, oh, what a coincidence. It all just works itself out. But it's not all just works itself out. You prayed, God answered you just had not arrived at that place in time yet. So Abdias, like, as, as you move forward, there's going to be things you pray for in your life. And as you step forward, right now, you may feel lonely and, and like, nothing's, like, it's not working out. The, the calling God has placed in your life, it isn't happening yet. But one day, you're going to show up there and you're going to pray that there's some hottie out there somewhere. And you're like, I don't know where she is. Maybe you do. I, maybe I shouldn't say this because you said you are talking to somebody. But... <laughs> But I promise you, one day, you're going to show up, and that's not just coincidence. It's because you serve a God that's outside of time. Come on, Abdias, good job. So this dad prays. He asks Jesus, would you heal my son? He says, walk back. And what the dad didn't realize, every single step, he's just walking empty-handed, not knowing that the Lord of all had already placed an answer in his path. I'm just telling somebody today that your marriage may be struggling, your emotional, like maybe you've just been struggling with, with depression, or maybe you've been struggling with anxiety, and you're like, I just wish there'd be an answer to this somewhere. Like, I need some, some reprieve. I need some help in this situation. And I'm saying you serve a God that hears every sigh of your heart. He hears every prayer that comes from your mouth. And you may not see it right now, but that means don't stop. Because waiting on the Lord does not look like I'm not moving anywhere. Waiting on the Lord looks like I'm going to walk and not grow weary. Because I know that somewhere down the road, my God will supply all my needs the band would come, I'm just telling you that you serve the kind of God that always comes through. It says this, that 
when the man hears that his son has been healed, it then says, and he himself believed in all his household. What's weird about that is it already said he believed. When Jesus first spoke the word, it says he believed and went. And now when he sees that his son is healed, it says he believed again. Which is it? Which is it? I think the answer is we can know something, but knowing something is different than knowing something. You knew you'd filled out all the, all, done all the homework you needed to be able to graduate high school. You knew you were graduated. You're done. But when you walk across that aisle, there's this reason you just feel like, it's finally happened. You, it was already done. You knew you'd been engaged for three months. Like, you knew the whole time, like, we're going to get married. This is a thing. Like, we're, we're together. We're, we're going to be married. You knew it. People would ask you and you'd show them the ring. Ah, it's up today. Like, and then one day, you're standing across from this person in a church or in a temple or a cathedral. You're in Idaho, probably outside. And even though you'd known for three months this was happening, you're just like a blubbering mess. You're just hoping nobody, hoping the camera doesn't pick up that quivery lip. You know what I'm saying? And you, tears coming down. Why? It's not that it's now like you didn't know it was happening. It's that there's a difference between knowing and knowing. And so this, this man had, he had trust in God. He had trust in Jesus when he said go. It's a totally different thing when you know it. When I preach this, then I think the question then becomes, well, what about the times when God doesn't answer prayers? And I feel like I'm waiting. It still doesn't happen. That question always makes me think of my grandmother. Just because my grandmother passed away when my dad was very little. And when he talks about her, you can still see the, the hurt of, of a young child that didn't get enough, spend enough time with his mom. He was really little and she got leukemia. Hear him tell it. He was a little boy spending his nights beside his mom's hospital bed. Praying that God would do something. And he'd tell this miraculous story about how one night the small church that they were a part of, they, all, they said, tonight's the night. We're going to go down. We're going to pray this thing over the hill or something like that. They go down and they're in the hospital room having a prayer meeting. From that day forward, grandma got better. Somebody's like, oh yeah, because you can be healed from, I'm talking about my, my dad's old people. I'm saying like before, like we have all the solutions to leukemia. Like I'm saying like, my dad owes Abraham a dollar. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying it was prayer. And then just a couple years later, she got in a car accident and died. And he was 13. To me, it doesn't make sense. I'm like, God, what's the point of giving him this miraculous experience of healing her in a hospital bed and letting her die in a car? What's the point of that? And I think I've got two things I want to bring up. Two, two things. The first is this. We have to get out of the habit of saying that God did that. God did not kill my grandma in a car. God took her away. No, she was in an accident. It was an accident. It wasn't God being like, You're, like final destination or something. No, it was an accident. And the next thing is this. The scripture gives us this beautiful verse. To, this is a great verse if you've wrestled with this question. It's 2 Timothy 4.18 and it says it like this. The Lord will rescue me 
from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. See that in my grandma. The Lord delivered her from an evil attack of a sickness, but he also delivered her safely into his heavenly kingdom. And now she's in the arms of Jesus. And so where my perspective says, like, I, 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 I feel like I would have been nice to meet grandma. Now the, the truth is this, is that she's in the arms of Jesus. And, and not one of us escapes this thing unscathed. At the end of the day, we all move on. And the promise is that we will be delivered safely into his heavenly kingdom. And that is worth celebrating. That is worth saying, I can have confidence in the God that doesn't give me some sort of pipe dream promises or commitments, but the kind of God that says, I can heal, I can deliver, I'll deliver you from every evil out there, but I will also make sure that you're delivered safely into my heavenly kingdom because you're my daughter, you're my son, and I love you. Would somebody stand with me right now? Just stand all across the room. It's in moments like these when we call out to the Lord that he hears us and we serve the kind of God that doesn't just listen. He acts. So right now, maybe as I was talking, you were thinking, I, I didn't come here because I needed to hear pretty singing. I didn't come here because I needed a preacher to preach at me. I came here because I'm like that dad with a son that's sick. Maybe you've got a child that you've been praying for. Maybe you're starting out in your career and you're just praying God would move some things around. Or, or maybe for you, there's, there's a thing inside that nobody else knows about you. You're just praying God would deliver you of maybe some shame from the past. Whatever it is, I'm saying we serve the kind of God that wants to meet that need right now. So if that's you in this room, would you just raise your hands to the Lord? And I'm, we're going to pray together. Raise your hands like you're bringing him that need. Lord Jesus, right now, Lord, your word tells us that you are the author and you are the finisher of our faith. And when we grow tired and when we grow weak, you are never faint. You are never tired. So right now, Jesus, I pray that you begin to heal your daughters right now, that you begin to deliver your sons in the name that is above every other name. You are the, the source of life. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the alpha and you are the omega, the first and you are the last. So right now, God, would you heal your sons? Would you deliver your daughters? Would you comfort the brokenhearted? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. With every head still bowed and every eye still closed, maybe you feel far from God right now. Faith in God is not conjuring up some sort of an emotional response to Him. It's trusting Him. And if that's you, if you're saying, I, I want to be right with God. I, I want God to be pleased with my life. I want to be right with Him. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up so I can see it? Come on, I see those hands, big, bold hands. Come on, I see that. Here's what we're going to do. It's very simple. We're going to repent, and we're going to believe. Repent means we're turning away from the things we think, do, and say that don't please God. Then we're going to believe in the death, the 
burial and the resurrection of Jesus. When we do this, his blood cleanses us of all sin and we'll be in a right relationship with God. He initiates that conversation. If you raised your hand, pray a prayer just like this. Make it your own words. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm turning away from them right now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in him. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church. There's some people that just made the biggest decision of their life. Biggest decision. Come on. Hey, we don't want you to make a decision like that. Just walk out, not, not be around other people that can help build you up in that. You need to join a group. You need other believers in your life, people you can do life with. Um, we we want to help you with that. <clears throat> the next thing is this. Um, we've got football coming up. And uh, I don't want to keep you. I don't want to be standing in between you and your miracle. <laughs> but we all know the Lord's not even in this because the Seahawks are out. Am I right? Come on. Hey. We like to end with, with just a time of worship. And if you felt like there was an area of your life you're presenting to God, saying, this is my need. During this time of prayer and worship, that's what I want you to do. Don't worry about the words. I just want you to talk to him. Say, so this is what's going on. Just respond. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.